Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. As many families are celebrating this holiday season, which includes Christmas, many in the African-American community are also preparing to celebrate Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa was created by Marlon Aron Karinga in 1966 as a cultural holiday, which commemorates and celebrates the heritage of African-Americans and Africans in the, the diaspora. The creation of Kwanzaa was an appropriate addition to an understanding and appreciation of the development of a cultural newness during the revolutionary Black Power Movement of the 1960s. Participation in Kwanzaa has steadily grown since its 1966 inception and survived in the face of strong objection from some who initially viewed the celebration as an attempt to replace the accepted gift-giving Christmas celebration. On this show tonight, we're gonna take a break from our normal legal discussion and talk about Kwanzaa and help you to understand all of the aspects of that celebration. Joining us in this discussion, Amira Wright, a former professor at NCCU School of Law, and we hate to say former professor, uh, along with Lester Thomas, who is the president of the Carey-based Ujima Group, which regularly sponsors Kwanzaa and other African-American focused celebrations in, uh, in Cary. So to our guests, uh, this evening, uh, thank you for joining with us. And how are you doing? I'm good, and thank you for asking me. It's good to be here. Well, as, as an aside, uh, and this is as to Professor Wright, uh, she has retired from the law school and leaves behind a, a legacy uh, that is going to be celebrated for years and years to come. So we miss her. And we want those of you in our audience to know that we miss her. And this is a great opportunity for uh, her to join back with us and act like she's one of us now. <laughs> so thank you, Mary, for, uh, for being with us. Thank you. Let me just, just, just start us out because Kwanzaa grew out of the Black Power movement of the, uh, of the 60s at a time that uh, African-Americans and people of color were questioning this notion of white supremacy which uh, permeated uh, much of our society at that time. And it also uh, was focused on the ideal that uh, we as a people had a right to name ourselves, speak for ourselves and to create for ourselves, and it was in that um, tradition that this Kwanzaa celebration was uh, created by Maulana Karinga. So let's 
start out this discussion by kind of talking about your recollection of those times and the importance of the creation to Kwanzaa as to the political and cultural movement that African-Americans were engaged in in the uh, 1960s, breaking away from a lot of the uh, traditions of the uh, old days and particularly Jim Crow America that we were dealing with at the time. So let me just start with uh, Mary first and then we'll go to to Lester. Uh, What was the importance to you of the the, the Kwanzaa uh, celebration creation? I think the time, as you said, was certainly ripe for the creation of the Kwanzaa uh, celebration because we know that uh, historically uh, during our captivity, uh, here in this country, that um, one of the essences of being able to maintain that system was to uh, strip us as much as possible of our culture by way of our customs and practices, our languages, uh, our names, our knowing who we were. Uh, and during that period of the 60s, we were beginning to come into um some knowledge uh, of who we were historically, uh, traditionally, culturally. And so for me, the importance of um, the Kwanzaa, uh, the creation of of the Kwanzaa celebration was to reinforce um, those uh, customs and practices that we were uh, coming into by giving us a structure within which to uh, celebrate um, ourselves. And Lester, you want to add to that? No, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. Okay, well, let's go on to, to, to the next question. I know, you know, as a part of the uh, Ujima group, uh, uh, Lester, I know that uh, Maulana Karenga has uh, been a uh, featured speaker for a couple of the uh, celebrations that's been conducted over in, uh, in, in Cary. Uh, can you talk about... Uh, the authenticity of uh, Professor Karinga's uh, effort to create uh, this uh, holiday and why his position uh, within the movement uh, led to its early acceptance by uh, African-Americans uh, within uh, within this country. Well, growing up in New York City, uh, I was always having the opportunity to learn about our culture, the renaissance of black culture, of many of our African-Americans moving up from the South to the North to escape the Jim Crow tactics that they were such abused by for so long. So when they came up, it was more freedom that they had. And I think the Kwanzaa was a way that helped us to understand who we are. And what I loved so much about it was that we learned to have a voice. And the voice was that we're not going to be slaves anymore. We're gonna be free men, free women, to be able to live and protect ourselves in a way that makes us feel like we are men and women. And the quantity that we had uh, was very successful because of Baba Chuck Davis. He was a person that gave me a lot of insight about who I was and also about 
I learned a lot about Kwanzaa from Baba Chep. And what that helped me to do was to have pride in myself. And over the years, we developed the Kwanzaa celebration. And what happened was it just sort of took off. And having it in Cary was a challenge because it was predominantly a white community. And to have to educate them about the process of Kwanzaa took some time. So it was a real challenge in the beginning. And over the 27 years, we've done so much and we're just proud of the people who participated and came and helped it to grow and to develop over the years. Uh, can you, uh, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the word Kwanzaa and what, what is its uh, meaning? So, so Mary, you wanna start us off with kind of explaining to our audience uh, where the word Kwanzaa came from and what does it mean and its value to and emphasis on the celebration that, uh, that we are talking about here. Uh, yes, uh, the name uh, was chosen uh, by Dr. Karenga uh, as a part of making that connection between uh, Africans in the diaspora and continental Africans. And uh, traditionally in uh, many uh, African communities, um, at the end of the harvest season, there was a, a celebration, uh, just giving uh, thanks for a bountiful harvest, um, just coming together as a community, um, uh, giving uh, homage to the ancestors. And so the word uh, Kwanzaa uh, means uh, first fruits. And um, so Dr. Karenga chose that because that uh, tied the celebration here to the traditional harvest celebrations that were held in the African communities um, at the end of, of harvest season. So the very word itself um, was intended as a, a connection. And he added the additional A because it's a Kiswahili word. And he added the additional A for emphasis um, in terms of the use of the word Kwanzaa. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting uh, notion uh, here uh, when you talk about first fruits, uh, because first fruits always result from hard work uh, that has uh, gone into the uh, development of, uh, of those fruits. Uh, Lester, can you kind of talk about the early uh, resistance uh, within uh, African-American and other communities uh, to this concept of the uh, Kwanzaa uh, celebration? Well, in the beginning, it required a lot of education to have people to understand that it wasn't a cult, that it wasn't anti-white, that it was a way of taking people Christmas away from them. No, it was a cultural art celebration. And it took a while for, for the community to accept that and that it wasn't something that was they didn't know, that they weren't informed of. And so a lot of education came in to help people to understand and to feel that it was user-friendly, that they could embrace it. And over the 27 years that we've had Kwanzaa in Cary, it's become more accepted and more a way of life. I think we moved the bar by helping folks to understand what Kwanzaa really was. And we brought in some great people who were able to show the beauty of Kwanzaa. 
and how people were able to specifically African-Americans to embrace it in a way that they started to feel good about themselves. And I think the, the process of learning Kwanzaa and reading the principles and understanding what it really meant made, made us love ourselves because it was a time when we did not love ourselves because we were black and African or we had a different way of looking or a different way of feeling because we were told that you're ugly, you're not smart, you're not someone. But we had to overcome that by educating ourselves and being around people who made us stronger, like Marvis Garvey, Malcolm X. These people were the types of people that made us feel good about who we are and knowing our history was a very significant part of that. Yeah, I'd like to touch on um, a point that both um, both of you have made, and it, it centers around the the education and and being informed. And Mary, one of the things that you mentioned was that uh, the development and embracing of Kwanzaa was right because uh, we were starting to become aware, even though there were efforts to strip us of our history of our knowledge. Lester, you've emphasized that the, in order for folks to fully understand Kwanzaa, they required that education. We are at a time right now in this country when there are deliberate efforts to try and prevent people from being exposed to the realities of history, particularly as it relates to African and African-American people. Can you two, talk about, um, well, I guess, do you see any parallels between the time in which Kwanzaa was created and initially embraced and where we are now and the need for our communities to come together and, and understand who we are um, despite efforts to try and rewrite history, to whitewash history, and to just not let us know the realities, uh, particularly when we're thinking about the history of this country. Mayor, let's start with you. Okay, so um, April, I see um, Kwanzaa as a part of a larger uh, measure that uh, we uh, should be engaged in with regard to education. And so um, for me, um, the whole um, CRT, um, you know, debate that's being bannered about should simply uh, be an impetus for us to take measures to uh, take greater control over the education of ourselves and our um, future generations. And so Kwanzaa, uh, or more specifically the seven principles of Kwanzaa, which I know we will get into, um, are at the center or can be at the center of that because those principles essentially encompass all that is necessary for us to effectively carry out um, the education uh, of, of our community in general. And so, uh, and as a matter of fact, um, I know that there are some schools and when we had uh, Omateka Guamazema 
which was an African-centered school here in Durham, um, the curriculum of the school was built around the seven principles of Kwanzaa. So it, it has that utility in a broader context in terms of our uh, taking uh, steps to um, take greater control over the education of our children. And when we do that, then the CRT, it, it should not be an issue for us uh, in terms of someone else deciding what we can and can't teach our children. That to me is the biggest issue. And you know, that is so very important when you think about education, you think about our children. Uh, this year's theme for the Kwanzaa is unity, a time for service and hope. When we see how slowly things are changing back to a Jim Crow state of mind and how we had to start fighting all over again because many of the battles that we had in the 60s and the 70s, we're starting to have again voter suppression. Uh, and these types of things are trying to take away our freedom and set us back. And that's where we have to continue to fight, to stay positive, to become active and to come involved. Because we have to start getting our children to start to love themselves and to become more involved in understanding history and education because the pandemic is making a lot of people very fearful and very depressed. And we've been having a lot of mental health issues because when you're away from your normal environment, when you see our kids have to go in a virtual environment, they're used to having a teacher where they can go to class. These things have a certain impact when you can't do that, when you don't have that interaction you don't really have that type of love that you're used to have in a traditional class environment. So we have to be able to stay close to our children to make them feel good, to, to be involved in their, in their lives. Because the toll you can see with all the violence that's taking place in schools, people are having more gun violence, and that's a part of depression when you see folks want to be more and more violent for no reason. And they have a reason because they're, they're mad and they're angry. And from what they're, they're being fed, they're being fed that that's okay. And that's acceptable and that's not. Well, this is the uh, Legal Legal Review. And uh, tonight we are discussing Kwanzaa and the uh, celebration of this uh, African-American centric or centered uh, celebration uh, that uh, is uh, uh, occurs right after the uh, Christmas uh, break. Uh, we're going to take uh, a break here right now. I want you to stay with us as we continue uh, this uh, discussion, and we'll be right back. Good evening. My name is Olivia Andrews, and I am a current senior here at North Carolina Central University, and this is your community information spotlight. We will be highlighting domestic violence. 
October was Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it is important to acknowledge and draw attention to unspeakable acts of victims and survivors to continue being a voice and raise awareness to stop the violence. This violence epidemic affects individuals around the world every day and does not discriminate regardless of age, gender, or race. According to the NCCADV, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million people. If you or a loved one are experiencing any form of violence, reach out to the Durham Crisis Response Center here in North Carolina at 919-403-6562 or at their email at crisisline at durhamcrisisresponse.org. For anonymous confidential help, available 24-7, Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or 1-800-787-3224. Okay, we're back uh, on the uh, Legal Legal Review where we are talking about uh, Kwanzaa. We have as our guest, uh, Professor Mary Wright, who was formerly uh, one of our colleagues at the North Carolina Central University uh, School of Law, and uh, Lester Thomas, who is the uh, president of the uh, Ujima Group, uh, which is out of uh, Cary, and they regularly engage in uh, Kwanzaa activities during this time of the uh, year. Uh, when we, we took our break, uh, uh, Mary had mentioned this notion of the seven principles and uh, how uh, the educational process in which she was engaged in uh, was formulated on the uh, seven principles. Can you talk about the uh, relationship, uh, Mary, between uh, the uh, seven principles that uh, you mentioned and then the uh, fact that Kwanzaa is a seven-day-long celebration? Okay, so um, the relationship, well, of course, uh, Dr. Karenga uh, developed the, the seven principles, and um, the principles are associated with the seven days of, of Kwanzaa because uh, one of the principles is dealt with on each day of uh, the observance of Kwanzaa. And so Every and when we think about the symbols of Kwanzaa, everything ties in to that notion of the um, the seven days, seven principles, um, the symbolism of the seven days and the seven principles of Kwanzaa that are dealt with during that that time frame. And and I guess the follow up question is, what are the seven principles? <laughs> okay, so. Um, the first of the seven principles is um, umoja, which means unity. And, and all of the principles, uh, again, are, they have, um, they're in uh, Kiswahili, and, and Dr. Karega chose Kiswahili um, because it is the um, indigenous language that is, is spoken um, by uh, more uh, Africans on the continent than um, the other um, um, uh, tribal languages on the continent. And so he, he chose it for, for that reason. So uh, Umoja uh, means 
unity. And that is the, the first principle of Kwanzaa. And then of course we have Kujichakulia, uh, and I'm assuming we'll talk about these in more detail, but Kujichakulia is the uh, second principle and it means self-determination. And uh, Ujema, um, collective work and responsibility is the third principle. Uh, Ujama, uh, which um, is collective economics is the fourth. And then we have Nia, which means purpose, um, Kuomba, creativity, and um, Imani, which is faith. Um, those would make up the, uh, the seven principles um, of uh, Kwanzaa or the principles of Nguza Saba. Uh, thank you for that, Mary. And so Lester, can you, and we'll get into the principles, but there are also some specific symbols that are used during the celebration of Kwanzaa. Can you talk about those symbols? One of the symbols that we have is the unity cup. And the unity cup allows us the opportunity when we pour libation. And libation is when you're actually giving your way of understanding what libation is when it comes to paying tribute and honor to those who paved the path down which we walk. And when we have the libations, it goes back to the first time that we understand what Kwanzaa really is. So Mary, so Lester talked about the unity cup. Can you talk about the other symbols that are used in the Kwanzaa celebration? Uh, yes, and, and these symbols, uh, by the way, um, this is part of, um, because sometimes there are questions that ask about how do you prepare for Kwanzaa? How do you um, uh, set up um, for Kwanzaa? And so all of this is part of, of how you would set up your, your Kwanzaa um, at, at home. Or if you were, of course, having a group celebration. So we have um, the Mkeka. And I would start with that because that is the, um, that's the mat. And usually... It doesn't have to be, but usually it's a straw mat and it's representative of the foundation. Uh, and then you have the Messiah. And the Messiah, again, is that tie in to the first fruits because the Messiah would consist of fruits and vegetables that you would put in uh, you know, a small basket and you would have that on the table on top of uh, your, uh, your mat or your mkeka. And then you would have um, the Kanara and the Kanara is the holder of the, um, the seven candles, um, also um, uh, Mishuma Saba, the um, Kiswahili term for the seven candles. And so they are set in the, the Kanara. And the Kanara also is representative of the, the foundation uh, of the community. And then you have the, uh, and it's, it's, there are two words that are used to describe the corn, uh, you have vibunzi, which technically is the singular uh, word for it. And then you have muhindi. Um, but both of those are descriptive of the corn the, that you would have on your display. And um, you would have an ear of corn that would be representative of each child in the family. And then, of course, if there are no children, uh, then you would have a single ear of corn, which would just be representative of the children in the community uh, in general. And um, you would have, uh, uh, people will often ask about 
uh, you know, what about the exchange of gifts? And um, the, the exchange of gifts is is not a it's not a requirement um, of Kwanzaa. Um, and in fact, sometimes it's described as an exchange that is based on uh, merit, something that you, is warranted based on how you know the individuals have conducted themselves. Um, but uh, zawadi is the term that's used to describe the gifts because you can have variations on the exchange of uh, gifts. And if so, then the zawadi would be um, the representative of that. Usually, uh, it's recommended that the zawadi consist of something that is handmade, uh, the purchase of a book, uh, something of that nature to stay away from the materialism that is often associated with the Christmas, the gift giving associated with the Christmas um, holiday. And then you have, this is, um, you can, in addition to that, to that have the, um, the liberation flag, the black, red, and green flag displayed in some way as part of the, uh, the symbols. Now, Mayor, I, I don't know if it's, uh, it's still around, but I know that at one point there used to be uh, Kwanzaa kits that people could uh, purchase from uh, uh, African-American uh, bookstores and other entities that catered uh, to uh, African-Americans. Uh, and uh, in those kits, uh, you would have uh, an explanation for all of those symbols and exactly how to uh, lay out and celebrate uh, this uh, this uh, this holiday, but can you talk about how do people once they've gotten all these things together? Uh, how how do you celebrate Kwanzaa? What what's what's the the focus of, over this seven day period? Okay, so um, first of all, there you're you're right. Those um, the symbols of Kwanzaa they are still available. I, I just happen to be on uh, Sankofa. Uh, Books and Cafe's website um, yesterday, and they have um, the Kanara, uh, the candles, uh, the mat, they have uh, um, the kit that you can, can purchase. And um, of course, there are several uh, books that are also available, and um, the books would uh, contain explanations of the different ways that you can celebrate Kwanzaa. Um, and, and let me just say this, there is no one right way to do it uh, in exclusion of all other ways. Uh, usually you start with the basics of the celebration of Kwanzaa and that is to say, however you uh, celebrate, it's going to be tied into um, the lighting of the candles. Um, and there is a you know um, protocol for how you would light the candles, starting with the the black candle, the unity candle, candle or the emoji candle that's in the middle that sits in the middle of the canara. So you would light that on the first day um, of the observance, and then you would alternate um, between the red and the green candles, and you would light one for each of those days. And of course, when you light the candle, then there is some discussion around that principle of emoji. And, um, and then, and that would be true for each day when you light the candle that would be representative of the principle for that day, then there is discussion um, in some form or fashion around that principle. And so you would go through that with, with each um, uh, day 
of the observance. And um, you have the um, uh, Karamu, that is the feast. Um, that's the eating and the getting together and just having a good old time. And that's usually on the sixth day uh, of, of Kwanzaa when you have the, the, the big, you know, celebration. It could be with the family. It can be family plus friends, uh, other members of the community. And of course, you uh, can also have, um, as uh, the Ujema group, uh, Lester's group in Cary would have, you can have, of course, the community, uh, in addition to a family uh, celebration, the community celebration. And um, I was a member of the Emoja group here in Durham. And the Emoja group uh, had the community celebration in Durham for uh, many years. And, um, and we would have the Karamu or the, the feast. And it was and the ideas for members of the community to contribute dishes uh, for, for that in terms of that collective responsibility that's a part of um, the celebration uh, of Kwanzaa. So, and I'd just um, like to add to that is that there are yes. many different ways to uh, celebrate Kwanzaa because depending on how familiar you are with the principles, you can be very elaborate or it can be very small. And what we try to do is to get the kids to understand that they are important and that they are somebody. And that's why it's good to have in learning where you have people learning from their elders. And the, and the elders are the ones that are going to empower the children to love themselves. Because we're seeing a lot of self-hatred right now, where you don't feel good about yourself or who you are. And what Kwanzaa does, it gives you an opportunity to be with family and friends and to be able to show how much people really care about you. Because our kids are sort of detached right now. And families are detached because of the, the virus. You can't go to people's house. You don't want people around you. You have to wear a mask. So we want to have that time where we can show the variety and the diversity of celebrating Kwanzaa. All right, you're listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we've been talking this hour about Kwanzaa with Mary Wright, who is one of our dear colleagues here at NCCU School of Law, who's recently retired, and Lester Thomas, who is president of the Cary Base Ujima Group. So we're going to take a quick break, but we hope you stay with us. When we come back, we'll get into the seven principles of quantum. North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African-American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center. 
made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission to, one, facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and two, increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking with Mary Wright, a former professor at NCCU School of Law and Lester Thomas, president of the Cary-based Ujima Group about Kwanzaa. And so for this segment, we're gonna talk about the seven principles specifically. So we've had both Mary and Lester talk about um, what the principles are, we've talked about the symbols of Kwanzaa, we've talked about the celebration and how it can vary. And so what we'd like to do during this segment is to do a little deeper dive into the seven principles. Um, Mary, let's start with you. So uh, I'll let you choose which principle you'd like to begin with. Thank you. So I, um, I like um, Kujichakilia. And uh, this is the uh, second principle of Kwanzaa and it is um, the principle of self-determination. And uh, it is the principle um, that talks about our uh, naming ourselves, uh, defining ourselves, speaking for ourselves and, and determining uh, who we are and not allowing ourselves to be spoken for uh, by others. And I think that that is so critical for us in, in this moment that um, we recognize the importance of uh, not allowing who we are to be dictated by someone else. And we know that um, since our time uh, in this place, that um, that has been the case, that, that uh, what we call ourselves, we call ourselves, you know, by names that were uh, dictated by uh, whites, um, uh, how we view ourselves culturally, our standards of beauty, our standards of dress, uh, whatever we consider to be professionally appropriate. Uh, there are so many ways that, that our thought process is dictated um, by um, the white cultural norms in ways that we don't even think about because it's so internalized. And it's internalized because it is spoken of in neutral ways um, such that the white subliminally becomes the standard. And then anything other than that is a deviation from that. Um, and so when we begin to truly um, name ourselves, um, define who we are, think for ourselves, then we can free ourselves 
because you cannot be free as long as your mind and what you think and how you look, how you act is being dictated by someone outside of who you are. So I, I, I just think that the Kuja Chakulia is such uh, an important uh, principle uh, for us to follow. Yeah, that was powerful. Thank you for that. Uh, Lester, so we're going to let you choose the next principle that you would like to expand upon. Well, you know, I love Ujima, collective work and responsibility to build and maintain our communities together and make our sisters and brothers problem, our pro problems and to solve them together. So when we get together as a people, they are strength in numbers. And I remember a gentleman showing me that when you have five hands like that, five fingers, they're not as strong as five fingers like that. So when we work together in a way that we are trying to help each other and love each other and to build our communities, then we, it's nothing that we cannot do. A lot of times we don't feel that we have the power to do it, but together, working as one, working together works. We really have to get back to the basics that made us great and who we really are to really start loving each other and working together and solving problems together. That's why I love Ujima. And Mary, your next one. Okay, so Ujima is another of my absolute favorite of the principles. Uh, and this is the principle that talks about um, uh, collective economics and uh, that we would uh, work together to strengthen and to build our communities. And I really um, uh, think this is so important because um, of where we are at this point in time with how we support uh, each other economically. At one point in time, and this, of course, specifically was uh, during um, segregation when we um, were excluded from the white-owned uh, uh, businesses and organizations. And what we did was simply to build our own. And we all know stories of the, um, the towns in Wow. Um, you know, Tulsa, uh, the Black Wall Street here in Durham. Um, we know Rosewood in, in uh, uh, Florida. We know that there are instances of these communities uh, that existed where we were uh, independent, we were self-sufficient. Um, we had Haiti. Um, and during that time, we did support each other and we and and we thrived we thrived as a result uh, of that but once um, those laws were changed such that we could then take our money into the white uh, establishments we as a whole uh, abandoned our businesses uh, and as Carter G Woodson has often talked about um, and given where our where we were psychologically in our thinking is that we believe that the white man's ice is colder. And so whatever they had, we wanted it. Um, not what we produced, um, 
not what we sold, but we wanted to get it. We, we just thought it was inherently better if it uh, came out of a, a white-owned establishment. And we are still struggling with that notion of preferring to give our money over to white-owned establishments to supporting our own businesses. And so I think that if we were to truly um, understand Ujamaa and then make uh, an effort uh, to practice that principle every day, every day, uh, by asking ourselves whenever we are uh, making a purchase, uh, getting a service, have we looked for someone who looked like us first? And, uh, and if we could individually do that, then collectively we would go a long ways to carrying out that particular principle of Kwanzaa. Okay, Lester, your next one. I like Nia, purpose, to make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. And when I think of the traditional greatness, I think about the Harlem Renaissance, because that was a time when many African-Americans were leaving the South to come to the North because they felt they had opportunity. And it seems like now we're in a period where we're losing understanding the opportunity that we have. And we have to become come together and understand that we have a purpose. And our purpose is to restore ourselves to our traditional history so that we can be able to feel good about ourselves. And that comes with working together and having a purpose and understanding why we're here. We're not here just to be at the bottom. We have to be to the top by working together and doing the best that we can in order to understand that no one's gonna give us anything. We gotta work for it. And we gotta understand that this is a tough time right now. And the way we're gonna do that is by understanding that we can do it. And we have to get hungry once again because this is a difficult time for us to really make headway, to just come together, to work together, to find out what our purpose really is. And we're back to you, Mary. Okay, so I'd, I'd like to talk about Moja. And Moja is, again, a, a very important principle but I think that emoja, of course, means unity. And I think that oftentimes that term is overused. Uh, I think that it's misunderstood, it's misinterpreted. And because of that, sometimes I think it can cause us to get in our own way. Because when we talk about unity, I think sometimes we just kind of toss that term around and we say, we've got to be unified. We've got to, you know, um, you know, engage in unity. And we, we talk about it as if it's this broad based concept that somehow we are all going to come together of one mind and on one page to do the same thing. And uh, we have differences within our collectivity. And in order for us to really be able to unify, 
I think that it's important for us to be able to understand what that means, to first of all, be able to acknowledge it and to know that we are not all the same. We don't all think the same way. We don't all have the same approaches. Um, to, to really have some um, discussion around how do we have unity within our differences? Because that would cause us to be able to respect each other's differences, to recognize that they are there, but to know that within those differences, we can still be unified because we can know that there are different ways, uh, different schools of thought, but within that, we know what uh, the most important are. So we could ha have differences on 10 things. We could think the same way about one thing and we would know how important it is for us to elevate that one thing that we can um, come together on. But um, unity, emoja, um, very important principle. And I think that's why uh, Karinga came up with this notion of unity without uniformity as a, yes. as a part of that uh, principle. Uh, Lester, what's your next one? Kumba, creativity, to do always as much as we can in the way that we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. And I've always been very strong on that principle in regards to giving back and understanding that we have to make it better than it was, not just mediocre. We have to be able to go that extra mile so that we're able to get where we're trying to go. With the pandemic, many people are out of work. Many people are working from home, virtual. They learned that they have to be creative and black and African people, people of color have always been creative to be able to make something out of nothing because we really didn't have all the natural stuff that we're used to having. We had to make it. We had to develop it. We were inventors. We are people that have done great things with the tools that we have when we had no tools. So when you talk about creativity, our imagination and our hard work was what made us get to the top to be able to make things happen because we weren't giving the same resources that other people were giving. So we started out behind the game, but we came on top of the game because we knew that we had to do everything we had to do to get to where we wanted to get to. And Kumba creativity is a very strong principle that makes us realize that no one's gonna give us nothing. If we want it, we have to get it. And we have to be creative in how we get it. All right, and so we have one more principle left, Mary. Okay, and that's Imani. And I, I see Imani as being a very foundational um, principle um, because we have to have a belief in ourselves. We have to have faith um, in our ability to get done what it is that we need to get done. And uh, so I think that that really everything else emanates from our having that, that, that we really do believe. And, and that is to me um, not an overstatement because I feel that, that we, because of all the trauma that we have been through, 
that we uh, don't maintain the same confidence uh, uh, in our ability. You know, we um, feel, again, uh, I go back to, to Carter G. Woodson, at the white man's ice is colder. We, we just don't feel like we are capable of doing whatever it is as good as that person. It's like, a, you know, white individual can come into a room and they have to prove that they don't know whatever it is that they're talking about. We come into the room and we have to prove that we know um, because we we lack that confidence. And I think that if we really do believe in ourselves and our people, um, then that makes the other principles possible. And I think that ties so nicely to, you know, as we kind of wrap this up and, and something that Lester was saying about, you know, teaching the children and have having the elders, you know, teach the, the young people and, and making sure that, um, you know, all of these principles are understood. And Mary, I think when you mentioned how the curriculum of your school centered around the principles and that, that if we focus on these principles, it does provide us with everything that we need to be uh, successful, to grow our community, to strengthen our community, to, to begin to build and continuing to build. We, we just have a few minutes left and I wanna give each of you an opportunity to just share some final thoughts as we enter into this holiday season, this Kwanzaa season. Um, and Lester, let's start with you. We have a great program for this year and it's going to be the screening of the black candle. And uh, we're gonna have the Kwanzaa ceremony and the United Strings of Color. They are young African-Americans who play violin and they're going to be performing at the Kwanzaa celebration in Cary uh, on the 30th. Um, it was a little challenging because we wanted to make sure that our people were safe. We just didn't want to go out there and have the pandemic. So we had to really figure out how we could put on an event like this without putting anyone at risk. You know, we could have quantum, but we wanted to make sure that everyone was safe. So we want to invite you to this, which is going to be on the 30th. And uh, it's going to be really good. And we're going to make sure that everyone is safe and that everyone is sound. So if you guys are in the neighborhood, we would love to have you there because we put a lot of work and a lot of effort and want to make sure that we're able to give you a good product and to make sure that everyone is happy and safe. What what's the date? Uh, the the time. The, the date place? is on um, December thirtieth, and it's the going to be where, from two o'clock. Where will that be? Excuse me. And where will that be? It's going to be at the Cary Arts Center uh, in uh, Cary, and you can Google it. You can just type in Cary Kwanzaa, and it'll come right up. And um, it's free and open to the public. We're going to have a caramel food. Uh, and people are going to be able to get something to eat. I had to fight with making sure that it was no uh, pork in it. So uh, we're going to make sure that folks are going to have a good time and some good food. All right, Mary, any final words of wisdom or thoughts? Well, actually, I, I would. Um, I know that we probably have um, some listeners who uh, maybe heard the Kwanzaa uh, program last year, maybe who uh, began to celebrate Kwanzaa. 
uh, folks who have been celebrating Kwanzaa for a number of years, and maybe some listeners who are thinking about starting to celebrate Kwanzaa. And I, I would hope that that would be the case. And in terms of uh, incorporating the principles, I just feel that it's really important to, um, to ask ourselves, all of us, the question of, you know, as part of that observation, what, how did we carry out the principles over this past year? And then looking forward, how do we plan to carry them out? I think it's important for us to really uh, hold ourselves accountable for whatever it is that we say that we're going to do. Did, how did we do it? How successful were we? Because that, to me, is how we, we move that needle. Wonderful. Well, well, thank you both. This has been, this is one of my favorite shows that, that we um, do on the Legal Eagle Review for the reason that you just noted, um, Mary, it, it causes to hear the two of you talk about the principles and the celebration with the passion that you have. I can't help but to reflect on what I've done, what I need to do better, and, and um, set goals for, for the future. So we can't thank the two of you enough for, again, making yourselves available and sharing such wisdom and inspiration and motivation for us. And um, th- we have here with us in the studio, Mary Wright. She is one of our beloved colleagues here at NCCU School of Law, who has recently retired, and it's just absolutely wonderful to have her back here with us. And Lester Thomas, who's been a frequent guest, always a pleasure having him on as well. He is the president of the Cary-based Ujima Group. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you will take what you've learned and share it with your family and your friends um, and just reflect on uh, you know, what you can do to help improve our community and our society. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleagloreview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss this show on Sunday, you can find the show on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.